So hello everyone. My name is Lee Nichols and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing and Gas Processing and LNG Publications. I'd like to welcome you all to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we have a very special guest joining us. It's Duncan Micklem, who is the Vice President of Yokogawa. Today we'll be discussing Yokogawa's recent survey, which found that about two-thirds of process industry companies are anticipating fully autonomous operations by 2030. So we got a lot to get to today, so I want to go ahead and just welcome in Duncan. So Duncan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, Lee. Uh, thank you for having me here. Absolutely, excellent. Well, thank you for your time. So like I said, I want to go ahead and dive right in because we got a lot of interesting things to cover. So the survey that Yokogawa recently released, I, I kind of want to just start off the conversation and ask, what did you find most surprising about the findings? It's an interesting question that you ask, Lee. I think it's really around the acceleration uh, in the appetite for uh, industrial autonomy, which I think for us in the hydrocarbon industry is all about remote operation centers. Uh, so we did a survey in 2018, which is quite similar to the one that was undertaken here. And what's really interesting is the huge acceleration and uh, in interest in remote operation centers. I think some of it has been brought about by COVID-19. I've seen some studies which outline that uh, COVID has accelerated some companies' digital strategies by uh, around six years, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, but also I think uh, the business environment as well is also driving the pace here. Um, as you know, upstream, downstream LNG, they're, they're, they're a tough place to be. There's been a lot of demand destruction, and so prices have fallen. And as a result, people need to address cost positions and, and so pursue much more aggressive and alternative business models, which I think is also what's driving um, this acceleration in the appetite uh, for autonomy. Um, and really, yeah, I mean, it's autonomy for safety because we're taking uh, humans out of harm's way, but also to improve productivity and reduce human error. Um, yeah, I mean, I was very surprised uh, with that figure of two thirds of respondents wanting to leverage uh, technology to automate those plant decision making processes just over the next few years. Okay, so yeah, and I want I want to dive a little bit deeper into into the surveys because I'm kind of curious then what industries or verticals are leading this movement for autonomous operations, and then what can others like other industries learn from them in that regard. I think I think all of them are pursuing remote operations uh, just because safety is an issue for all of these. These are these are hazardous industries. Um, but I think the difference is the reasons in which they they're pursuing them. So I think a lot of it is being driven by industry cyclicality and whether um, different industries are building. In which case you can build in and design in for remote operations versus brownfield assets which have been around for a while where it's extremely costly to have to retrofit in remote operations and so i think all of them are are pursuing them but for different reasons so for example 
uh, taking different industries at different points in their cyclicality. So if you take uh, chemicals, petrochemicals and renewables, there's a lot of capital investment going in. And so I think we're seeing a lot more uh, interest in designing in autonomy from the outset, whereas in more mature industries and in, in arguably in, in, in declining ones, um, upstream refining and in some cases LNG, they're having to retrofit in uh, autonomy, which is which is really expensive. Yeah, no, that's that's the truth. So then I, I now want to shift in and say from the report that are what's some of the most widely used technologies that aid decision making? Again, getting back to that greenfield versus brownfield, I think in brownfield, the uh, the landscape to apply some of these technologies is a bit more limited. But um, if we look at, say, greenfield, uh, the landscape is very broad. We're looking at robotics, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, digital twins, uh, the cloud. Um, obviously, uh, some, some companies have different policies how they leverage the cloud, and some of that's driven by national uh, policy as well because of cybersecurity, um, edge processing, knowledge graphs. I think, as you know, uh, knowledge transfer and the crew change in the industry is, is a big deal. And so how we can capture knowledge, I think, sits at the core of, of a lot of digital transformation. So knowledge graphs, um, Augmented reality and virtual reality, again, is another way in which people are capturing and transferring knowledge. I mean, so these are some of the more um, exciting uh, technologies, some of which, uh, I don't know, there's some skeptics in the industry who believe they're buzzwords, um, but there are some less glamorous technologies which are fundamental building blocks. For example, process simulation operationalized with real-time data to constitute an operational digital twin. Um, advanced process control sits at the core of a lot of uh, companies' strategies. Um, modular procedure automation is another under fundamental technology which is really important for, for the, the human operator uh, process digital twin. So these are some of them. I think what is also very interesting is uh, unified dashboards and HMIs. Um, there's only so many screens that a, a single person can monitor and look at. So by getting more of these underlying technologies operating in the background, but being served up information through these integrated and unified dashboards and uh, human machine interfaces, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Excellent. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned some of the, some some pretty amazing technologies that are that are on their way in, in this industry, especially. So you mentioned a few things like knowledge transfer, um, some of the other te digital technology being adopted. So I guess one of the big questions then is moving forward on to autonomous operations. What is that going to mean for the human workforce? I think if we look at the assets themselves um, and their proximity, I think what it means for those people in the plant is they're going to be fewer of them in close proximity to where those hazardous processes are actually happening. And so it's moving people out of harm's way. Um, if we are able to leverage more of this technology that we've just talked about, I think we'll see improved productivity 
and hopefully reduced human error. Um, sort of stepping away from the plant, I think we will see some role changes and perhaps an upskilling of blue collar workers. So more autonomy means that the more mundane, repetitive, maybe number crunching tasks are accommodated for by things like robotic process automation, uh, sort of AI and ML and machine based decision making, which is freeing up those people for higher level thinking on things like maybe operations strategy and planning. Uh, what was interesting that I saw earlier this year was uh, Shell announced that it had been reskilling some of its workers in AI as part of the energy transition. So I think uh, some companies can really help their workforce to make this transition. And I think at a more macro level, we've talked about industry cyclicality and a lot of this being driven by the energy transition. And so I think what we should also expect for the workforce is for opportunity to follow where the investment is happening. So if there is more investment happening in renewables, chemicals, petrochemicals, I think we should expect to shift in the workforce towards that. Excellent. Yeah, and I've always been curious about the, the human workforce experience just because one, People think, of course, with these new digital technologies that they're just going to be replaced in the future when it seems to this discussion, as well as the discussion I've had with many other digital companies, is it's really that people are just they're going to change. I mean, I, I guess pretty much what you said. So I, I'm glad I could get some backup on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, now, with this whole change, of course, with with the adoption of new digital technologies, uh, and what asset owners and operators have seen in this study with Yokogawa, how um, how can they get started with that? I think it's, kind of, um, it's a big question. I know, but <laughs> I think co companies can get started by uh, getting familiar and being honest with themselves on on their own maturity and. I think every company wants to improve, but how how aggressive do they set their ambitions? And for some, a, remote operations centers aren't all made the same. Um, we, the maybe the smallest step towards remote remote operations centers is maybe a central optimization center. Um, as a, and then a progression from that is maybe an integrated production center, which is sort of taking common functions from across multiple facilities and put them in one place, and then advancing onto sort of minimal manning and then onto fully unmanned. And so, striving for any one of those, the step depend the size of the step depends on where your starting point is, and so. I think it's really important that companies understand their own organizational and digital maturity to 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 get real on the size of the step that they would like to take and the time and resources that that, that it's going to involve. So for some, as I said, it's that central optimization center um, uh, moving all the way through to the to the fully unmanned. Mm -hmm. Now, with this new report, what do you find as the most encouraging item in this report? 
I think it's got to be it's got to be getting people out of harm's way. Uh, so our industry is about it's about safety first, uh, but there are other benefits, um, particularly maybe around capital cost. So if you take uh, offshore facilities, um, the more people you have on a facility, the more cost it involves. There are there's living quarters that are required. There's utilities that's required, and so. Less people means less cost, less weight, less capital expense. Um, those cascade down even further. So again, um, if you take an offshore an offshore facility and and you talk about even just uh, the changing of uh, of the workforce out in the field, the helicopter transfers that are required, uh, the the emissions that are involved in all of that as well. So I think as well as safety, there there are also big environmental benefits as well. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things I know we're seeing from from new digital technologies being adopted um, is is in that energy transition. So I guess one of my my last questions is regarding this survey. What do you find is the is the big key takeaway from it? I think the the big key takeaway is that expectations around autonomy are changing and changing fast. Uh, the appetite is increasing. Timelines are getting shorter. One of some of the key statistics that came out in the report are that just one percent of respondents anticipate autonomy in 2020, but this figure rises really rapidly to 19 percent in just a couple of years' time and 64 percent by 2030. And so, I think. We need to brace ourselves for more change, and um, obviously, COVID has accelerated that. Um, as as I mentioned, that that earlier study that that I saw by in by six years, um, it really is the speed and the timelines that I think is is most surprising. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, listen, Duncan, we really appreciate your time today, to, especially to, to discuss this important topic. Uh, I found the data uh, extremely interesting. So if you're listening and you find uh, this talk uh, interesting, please visit uh, Yokogawa. Check out the survey. It is, it is some pretty incredible data uh, that they put together. Um, and finally, of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. You can subscribe to the main column podcast. You can do that by clicking on the subscribe button on the podcast's homepage, or you can use your smartphone and say, uh, Siri, Alexa, or hey, Google, subscribe me to the main column podcast. Thanks again for listening. Thank you, Lee.